Welcome to Truth Jihad Radio, the all-out struggle for truth on the internet radio airwaves. I'm Kevin Barrett, doing this show since 2006. And, of course, I've been affiliated with Veterans Today, now known as VTForeignPolicy.com, since 2010. I'm now apparently the emeritus executive poobah there. And in my capacity there, I occasionally do get a chance to interview people with veterans-related initiatives. And today... We're going to be talking about virtual reality. That's right. Uh, Chris Brickler is the CIO of Mind VR, the leading provider of VR-based digital therapeutic experiences for the aging population. And they have a grant, apparently, from BVL, or Bowlers to Veterans Link, a 501c3, which is enabling them to donate virtual reality glasses to eight veterans' homes in California. So <laughs> this, of course... That got me thinking in all sorts of directions, but let's have a conversation about it. Welcome, Chris Brickler. How are you? Hi, Kevin. Nice to uh, meet you. Thank you for the invite. Yeah, you too. So I'm, I'm going to learn something from this because I don't know anything really about VR. I, I know that, uh, that apparently Facebook uh, and, and Zuckerberg had big plans to turn Facebook into a giant VR simulacrum, and that apparently didn't work too well. As far as I know, VR has mostly been used in the gaming world. And this is the first time I've actually seen an attempt to put it to what sounds like a constructive purpose, if I'll be at a somewhat hallucinatory one. Uh, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> complete, maybe you can, number one, uh, fill me in on what's up with VR these days, other than gaming, and uh, and then tell me how you got into this. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good point. I think our culture sort of really... Um, you know, ties virtual reality to to kids and gaming um, and to the youth culture. It's become kind of iconic uh, in that space. But what it has done as well is kind of uh, the culture has recognized what VR is. And everyone is pretty much now know, knows what that topic is. And, um, you know, I was at a conference last week in Michigan and I asked how many people, probably a couple hundred, you know, people in the senior uh, care industry, how many people have done VR and about you know, three fourths of the hands uh, go up. So, so we know that VR is moving into the culture. People are seeing what it can do. When I saw it for the first time was in 2015, 16. Um, Mark uh, at Facebook had just purchased Oculus and that team moved up from Orange County to where I was officing in uh, San Francisco. And I got an inside sort of view into what this was all about. Uh, a good friend of mine was there and um, I was really blown away. I was blown away with what this technology represents. Um, and I could see how much like I saw with the internet 1.0 in the mid nineties, when I helped sort of uh, build the first commercial IP backbone, um, I saw similarities in 2015 and 16 with how the human how a human being will interface with data um, across the spectrum of commerce to health um, and certainly gaming. I can see the app application there, but I really didn't have much interest in gaming and I never really have, but I understand the platform very well. And I understand how you can gamify experiences uh, to do things that are uh, what I like to do is focus on technology that is for good. Um, so, <clears throat> So I had a friend from uh, Texas that was managing about a hundred skilled nursing uh, communities. 
And they had been implementing a program called Music and Memory, uh, where it was a customized iPod. Uh, a, I'm sorry, a, 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 an iPod with customized playlists from the family. And that was administered to folks that were into, you know, cognitive decline. Um, and in many cases, uh, diagnosis with, you know, some sort of dementia. And uh, what they were seeing from this uh, music application and playing these recognizable melodies really brought these people out of their shell. And uh, there was a movie done about it in 2014 that won the Sundance uh, Film Festival. And it was just a beautiful story that I, I fell in love with. Um, and when I heard what my friend Sean was doing uh, with music and memory with all of these seniors, I immediately thought about what I had just seen at Oculus and thought, wow, you know, what if we could build a scene, a product geared for seniors with cognitive decline that not only includes music, but includes complete immerse, immersive video um, to where we can actually teleport somebody back in time, space, dimension, and also add music to that therapeutic experience. And, um, and that was kind of how, that was the genesis of the idea, essentially, Kevin, in 2016. Wow. So, so that's like, uh, that what what was that uh, Tom Hanks movie where he's going through all of the uh, classic historical experiences? Uh, you can actually take uh, somebody and put them back in an immersive world uh, from an, you know, an earlier era uh, when they were young and that sort of thing, and, and to match the music they listened to when they were young. Is is that the idea? Yeah. So the first prototype we did in 2017 uh, was exactly that. We uh, took out a, a, a nightclub in Dallas, Texas. Uh, had about 35 actors come in all dressed in 1950s garb. It was a sort of a loungy sort of speakeasy type place. Um, a, a, a crooner, you know, singing Fly Me to the Moon and other hits from, from that time period. Um, and the camera, went, a spherical camera, 360 camera sitting right on the front table, martini glass right in front of it. And you have a front row view into this music performance. Um, that was our prototype, and we took that around to hundreds of seniors across California, uh, Texas, Illinois, Florida, New York, just to kind of see what this new application could look like uh, in, in a senior home. And what we found was just unbelievable. Uh, we were able to um, see how people firsthand would 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 absorb this content, and, and they completely forgot that they were in this uh, dementia care. Uh, unit, for instance, and we lift those four walls completely out of their, their, um, you know, their status at that moment, and we take them into a beautiful place. In this case, we were teleporting them back in time to a 50s, you know, speakeasy, taking them back on a night out in the town. And when the song was over, everyone was cheering and, you know, looking at the camera. So if you have the glasses on in this dementia care, you're looking around and you're seeing people having fun, just like you remember that experience to be. So that uh, that proved kind of uh, anecdotally that, you know, that we were on the right path. Uh, and then we started getting serious about the business in 17 and 18. Wow. Well, you know, you're, you're going to have to probably do some work on it uh, for the future, because it's one thing to put somebody in the front row of a speakeasy, uh, you know, watching a crooner with a martini glass in front of them. And it's another thing 
to let's say put a uh, a boomer back straight into the middle of the rain the rainstorm in in Woodstock, uh, feeling like <laughs> yeah. they're they're high on acid and rolling around in the mud. And then my generation, it's going to be even tougher. You're going to have to put me in a punk rock club, and you're going to have me have me feeling that I'm bouncing around, pogoing through the punk rock club, smashing violently into other pogoers, and sometimes like you know wreaking mayhem with the guy, the singer on the stage, and things like that. Uh, that that's going to be yep. pretty tough to uh, to achieve. Well, uh, you know, it, it's a great idea, but it's um, it's not out of the question of possibility. Uh, we definitely realize that the boomer generation is moving into uh, this longevity, you know, aging economy. And um, these folks are going to have, uh, uh, you know, cognitive challenges, just like the generation before them. Uh, only problem here, Kevin, is that we're talking about a massive influx of population in, in 10 years from now, we're going to have more people that are 65 or older uh, than we will have 18 or younger. Never has this happened in, in our history. And, um, and they're all going to be floating around in virtual reality. And, and what, and what are we going to have is a big problem in healthcare with boomers that are where the population is, you know, is escalating. And then your caregiver population that's, that's uh, diminishing. So you've got this gap you've got to fill with technology. And we think VR and AI assisted technology will uh, provide um, relief to caregivers in terms of how many people they have to care for. We also think VR will be fully developed as a, uh, you know, as a recognized form of digital medicine um, that we're on track to do with all the research that we're doing. So it's, it's just a really exciting uh, timeframe, but yes, to your point, uh, I can't wait till we can do, uh, uh, Pink Floyd, you know, uh, Led Zeppelin type uh, reenactments. Th those will be really fun. Oh, man. Uh, it, it sounds interesting. You know, you talk about digital medicine, though, and it occurs to me that many people would argue that being immersed in an illusory world, as we have been more and more and more with the development of communications media, uh, to the point that today, an awful lot of people are basically just zombies walking around staring into these tiny little screens, their cell phones. Uh, and I guess I'll, I'll lay my cards on the table here. I'm one of those critics of technology. You know, I'm one of those people that my friends all thought maybe I was actually the Unabomber back in the day. <laughs> because, okay. uh, you know, I, uh, to me, the zombies walking around staring at their cell phones uh, doesn't look very healthy. And the amount of screen time that kids have doesn't look healthy. And there's a lot of research correlating these things to, to poor health, uh, both physical and mental. And so it does occur to me that if we go from, you know, parking oldsters in these kinds of old folk homes that we have in the United States right now, where they usually get substandard care from very low wage people who don't care about them or not their family members. And of course, that this is viewed as utterly barbaric by many of the people here in Morocco, where I now live, where it's, you know, parking people in old folks homes. Are you kidding? The family has is the, the caregivers are always family. You always die surrounded by your family in your family home here in Morocco. And they're right. very yep. few, if any, old folks homes. So anyway, that whole aspect of the culture that we have now, is it really going to be improved if we suddenly have these oldsters parked with instead of watching old reruns of I Love Lucy uh, in black and white? they're you know watching reruns of the crooner or pink floyd or whatever in full technicolor and stuff with even less reason to have any real life human being interact with them with less reason to have them getting good exercise 
and I question whether their nutrition and the the uh, you know the, the flavor quality and stuff of their food is going to be better. Whether they're getting outdoors into the sunshine and getting the fresh air. In other words, I it it you know I, you're going to have to work pretty hard to convince me that this is going to be good for their health. Oh right, well yeah, there's uh, there there's no doubt that screen time um, in the United States is at an all time high, and it will continue. Uh, most of that is on two dimensional screen uh, planes. So when when I think about uh, immersive technology and content and how it can help the human kind, um, I I have to look at some of the problems that we have in senior care uh, today and veteran care as well. Um, you know one of the big things we're combating is loneliness and social isolation. So, what, you know, when veterans uh, and seniors are not physically mobile, uh, immersive can, you know, virtually take them to social settings or gatherings and make them feel more connected and less isolated. And we know that there's a very strong um, correlation between isolation uh, and dementia and, and ultimately, you know, mortality. So, that's just one example of of our culture in the United States, where we do often uh, put our seniors in these senior communities and and skilled nursing communities, and they are lonely. Um, so we think. And, and, and let, me, let me quickly yeah. ask about: Is there you, you? I'm sure you know this a lot better than I do, but is there data to show that let's the let's say the the virtual reality can uh, really contribute? to lessening the loneliness over you know, the medium and long term. Uh, because I know that I, I just, for instance, I followed some of this research. There was a New York Times article this week, I believe, about the loneliness epidemic and you know findings that loneliness you know kills almost as many people as COVID did kind of thing, showing that maybe locking everybody down and masking their faces wasn't such a great idea, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, uh, that, as I understand it, the research seems to show that there's really no substitute for face-to-face -face physical space occupation interaction with real people in the same room or in the same you know, outdoor space, close together, talking to each other, feeling the kinetic feeling of each other's bodies in space, that direct perception that we have, which I'm familiar with as a language teacher, because I found you can't teach language online the way you can in real life. In real life, you know, you sh I, I dance around the room, climb on people's desks, get people moving around, you know, massively kinetic experience, highly entertaining because of the live kinetic factor. And, and so that that, you know, that, that intensity of real interaction, according to what I've seen, what little I've seen of the research on loneliness is the key thing. And, and you can't solve loneliness with pets. Uh, even even pets don't do it. Even real life pets. It's got to be human beings in real physical space, face to face with the people. And certainly all of the indications are that all forms of media uh, make things worse. So is this the one kind of media that's somehow going to make things better? And if so, can you point me to the research that shows that? Yeah, yeah, there's a there's a ton of research. Um, gosh, I, I got into this in 2016. And immediately brought on a couple of uh, senior advisors uh, that had been researching this technology for, you know, 20 years before me uh, coming onto the scene. And wow, it's just, you know, thousands of documents and studies have been have been done to show the positive health impact with VR. Hopefully not condition. funded by Zuckerberg. 
Uh, yeah, well, that's kind of interesting because uh, I think Facebook has completely missed the boat on uh, how this technology can be useful in healthcare. <laughs> so, uh, but that's a whole other story. Um, it, there's well, also they missed the boat totally. Also... I mean, it, no, nobody wanted to go into Facebook VR. It's like that, that was the dumbest idea in history. Yeah, well, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely struggled. I think when you look at uh, when you go into something like Horizons or whatever, it, it's just like a teenage kind of playground. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't have a lot of meaning purpose. I think that's what we're doing at Mind VR. That's a, a lot different than the mainstream VR that you might be uh, used to hearing about, Kevin. And that is, you know, we're we're putting a lot of love, care, compassion into the ingredients of what we do here. When we curate content, um, and we uh, bring the experiences of around the world. So uh, a person with dementia uh, might there might really be there with their uh, son or daughter, uh, but there's no way they can get that person to Paris, for instance, where that person had their honeymoon. Uh, well, now we can do that. And we can do that in the comfort with a family, without a family. But you know what happens, Kevin, is that, and this we see this over and over and over, and there's all kinds of research to this around reliving memories. The, the reminiscence sort of part of this really activates the brain because the immersive technology makes you feel like you're really there next to the Eiffel Tower. It's not looking at a television screen. It's not looking at a smartphone. It's nothing to do with that. It's the immersive technology that really provides uh, the realness factor here. And then when you think about the loss of mobility and the loss of cognitive uh, skills, uh, you know, with these aging folks, it, it it certainly seems to be, uh, you know, something I've put seven years of my life into. I've seen so many positive results enough to where we can hone in on where those results are and then start scaling that. And that's probably why you you uh, you and I are talking today, because, you know, part of what we're doing at MindVR is is deploying this all over the world, all over the world. And in particular, uh, we just launched uh, into eight uh, veteran homes across the state of California. Uh, with the help of our partners in the Bowling Veteran Link. Um, they are committed to recreational therapies. Um, they came to MindVR and said, hey, what if we could uh, put some of these glasses into some homes? And we did that last year. It turned out to be extremely, extremely powerful for everybody, including the caregivers, which is a whole other thing we can talk about. But uh, bottom line is, you know, today marks a big day for us because we're blanketing the, the state of California and all the veteran homes with this technology. So we can do things like, you know, relive memories. We can stimulate the mind uh, through brain games. We can stimulate physical exercise. Um, it really allows people to, it really motivates people from an, from an exercise point of view. So we do all kinds of biking apps where you can put the glasses on and you're biking in Japan or you're biking uh, in Europe somewhere. Um, not everybody wants to do that, obviously, but people that do want to do that, it's there. Um, and then I think you get into a lot of uh, very interesting research done by a partner of ours uh, named Dr. Skip Rizzo from University of so uh, Southern California. He's been the leader for the last 20, 25 years. I would encourage you to talk to him if you want to really hear about research. But his his uh, his research has been around this exposure therapy. So we know that virtual reality can produce simulations to help people um, with behavioral health issues, such as alcohol uh, treatments. Um, we also know, uh, and largely based on Skip and his leadership, that we can expose veterans. In this case, Skip has built an entire platform. Um, <clears throat> and this platform basically takes desert warriors, you know, back into a simulated environment with a therapist 
and they work through some of the triggers um, that can cause, you know, the, the the root cause of PTS, which is so unfortunately, um, you know, such a big problem with right. Our, yeah, that that, that sounds right? that sounds useful, and it's kind of that kind of cuts against the grain of you know the escapism uh, of you know a lot of media is kind of about escaping into some place that's better than the boring place that you are. But when you're doing that kind of therapy with veterans, you're, you're going you, what you want. You don't want to escape. You want to actually face the painful reality so that they can kind of learn to cope with it. Uh, so that, that's, that's, very that's, interesting. that's exactly, that's exactly right. Yeah. When we can, um, when we can use virtual reality as a, a emotional healing instrument, I get very excited about this. I really do. We, uh, we were in a veteran home here in Texas um, about a month ago or so. And, there was a veteran that I had no idea that this was going to happen, but I, I put him in, into an experience where he was able to uh, fly on and off of the USS Eisenhower in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Um, well, I had no idea, but this gentleman was actually on the first uh, commissioned, you know, he was on the first commission uh, journey of that boat in 1975. And this brought back some amazing emotions. They were tough at first, but then they turned into pure love and just him wanting to be back at what he called home on that boat. And it was just a really, really touching experience. So, you know, those are the kind of things I see all the time when I'm out in the field and we're putting these uh, glasses and, and trying to get the right types of content uh, aligned for these veterans. But, you know, all, all, all systems are go right now. This is a really powerful technology and we're using it in a very positive way, I believe. Well, that's, that's really interesting. You know, I, I can definitely think of some positive uses for this kind of technology, for instance, with language learning. I've been kind of shocked at how poor the development of language learning software appears to be thus far, given, you know, all of the AI and the, the amazing translation abilities and things like that. Right. Uh, so eventually, you know, when you can put on these glasses and have a conversation with somebody in a foreign language that's tailored to your level, um, at that point, suddenly uh, machine-based language learning is going to be better than human language learning, assuming anybody still wants to learn languages, because we're going to have you know automatic translation where you just speak in your language and, and the person you're talking to hears uh, that in their language and so on and so forth. Well, that's I, right. I, but yeah, that's so that there are all sorts of interesting applications here. And here's I'm, I'm just about I, I think it's almost the end of our allotted span here, but. I have a, a thought here. If you were going to try to help those of us who, most of my colleagues at Veterans Today, of course, are real veterans. I'm not. I'm a token civilian. But we are all veterans of the 9-11 Truth Movement. And I, a lot of people in the 9-11 Truth Movement have had various kinds of sort of PTSD type uh, issues because we all, when we got into it, we thought this was going to save the world, right? Ex right. Expose the reality of 9-11, that all these wars were lies and this will hit and the dominoes will go down and all these other lies will go down too. And we'll end up with a sort of American perestroika and we can restore our democracy and this sort of thing. So we had all of this hope. And there was a moment in 2006 where we had some very successful conferences. Uh, the first one was in Chicago. I co-organized it uh, alongside 911truth.org. We expected a few hundred people. We got 1,500 and the New York Times covered it. Uh, Chronicle of Higher Education covered it. Yeah, et cetera, et cetera. And pretty soon, you know, we, we were uh, we thought we were really going to save the world. And of course, we then went back to our little holes with our look, talking to each other through computer screens and felt alienated again. And, you know, people always fight when they're online and then they meet each other in person. They like each other and they don't fight uh, and, they, and they're not lonely. They go back to being online and they fight and they're lonely. So what I was thinking, oh, yeah. 
yeah. is it yeah yeah so maybe maybe you guys can develop a virtual uh 2006 chicago 9-11 truth conference where everybody can go and hang out with all of the 2006 truthers who thought we were just about to save the world and we we're you know full of of joy and and purpose and optimism and you know as we rot away in our old folks homes we can actually go back and talk to each other in this virtual reality back when we thought that we in the world actually had a chance. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, the, the the sky's the limit, really, with uh, with the content that can be created with virtual reality. Um, I I can see a lot of uh, applications, uh, yeah, that would uh, <laughs> paint 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 a different reality. If people wanted to see a different reality, um, it can be done uh, for sure, no doubt. Okay, yeah, maybe even a, a reality where the 9-11 Truth Movement won and saved the world, and we're not going to go, go up in uh, in nuclear flames real soon the way uh, this war on Russia through Ukraine is going. Well, thank you so much, Chris Brickler. I appreciate your very interesting conversation, updating me on these issues, and uh, I wish you the best in turning this technology towards uh, something powerfully positive. Inshallah. Well, I appreciate that, and I and I appreciate the perspective on on politics of of how we got to where we are. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, I am and our company is extremely committed to this movement of helping these veterans that have served and and uh, um, you know they've earned this technology, Kevin. If anybody's earned it, uh, our veterans have earned it. Okay, well, by going off by being brainwashed by uh, the world's worst. Uh, false flag public relations stunt and uh, being brainwashed into going off and participating in the murder of 30 million Muslims around the world uh, and then feeling terrible about it. Uh, let's hope that we can fix all those people, including the 30 million people's survivors. Well, thanks, right. Chris. Appreciate it. Yep. Take care. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, appreciate your time today. Yep. Bye. Thank you.